Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to My Perfect Console. I'm Simon Parkin and in each episode I invite a guest to pick the five video games they would like to immortalise on their very own fictional games machine. Perhaps it was the first game they received as a birthday present or the one that so obsessed them it caused them to fail their exams or maybe it was the only thing that got them through a difficult breakup. Games a bit like songs often become powerfully attached to a particular moment in our lives. When we return to them, they can become warp points to the past. So join me, Simon Parkin, for my perfect console. My guest today is a Scottish comedian, writer, television presenter, narrator and Twitch streamer. He was during his final year studying law at the University of Edinburgh, the city in which he grew up, that my guest first tried stand-up comedy. At the Edinburgh Fringe Festival that year, he reached the final of the Chortle Student Comedian of the Year, taking second place to Joe Lycett. After being spotted at a gig, my guest then became one of the main presenters for Children's BBC, working alongside various puppet sidekicks, an experience that later formed the basis for his sitcom, Buffering. After writing and presenting shows for the channel, in 2014 he was nominated as Best Children's Presenter by BAFTA. And the following year, my guest's voice became familiar to millions when he became the narrator of ITV2's reality show, Love Island. As well as appearing as a contestant on the eighth series of Taskmaster, my guest also hosts a popular Twitch channel on which he plays video games. Welcome, Ian Sterling. Thank you, Simon. What a, 
I'm sure other people have commented commented on it, but what a thorough introduction. Oh, thanks, man. Do you man. do that? Do you do that when you have like friends around at dinner parties and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was a little nervous reading that out in front of you as uh, as the voice of a gener- of a generation, as the Evening Standard described you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels a bit much. I hate, quotes like that are obviously really flattering, but obviously people don't really know that other people do your press releases, and I think it's more for your mental well being. So be so like. If I pers- I personally am like, well, I'm not the voice of a generation. I'm like, that would be like David Attenborough or someone. But at the same time, it would be mad not to put the nicest things that people have said about you in your of press release. It's, tra- it's, it's an absolute quagmire. The sort of um, voice inside my head that, hate- that hates me and everything I've done that we've all got. Sure. Is like, what are you doing? Shut up. Putting that on a poster. <laughs> Shut You're not the voice of it. You're- I'm barely the voice of my own house, let alone of a generation. <laughs> But then the other side of me is going, yeah, I'm brilliant. Come and see me on tour, please, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah, please, please. please. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear you doing the voiceover for Planet Earth, actually. That would be <laughs> slightly sarcastic quips yeah. about animals. The tiger has eaten the... Uh, what do they eat? The deer, whatever the African deer is. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> oh, a, a, de- a, 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 a tiger eating a buffalo. Can, I a don't de- know. <laughs> This is the blind leading the blind. Thing. We, better yeah, get into, we better get into video games yeah, quick because it's a disaster. So, uh, Ian, you've got a, you've got a well-known face. Lots of people either like grew up watching you on TV or watch their children watching you. But your voices, I think it's fair to say, like even more recognisable. What's it like living with a famous voice? Do you always get hassled at like the checkout or when you're trying to buy insurance and stuff? Yeah, I was actually reminded today. I was talking to my friend Steve, who Steve Bouchier, a very funny comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and wrote Buffering, my sitcom, with me. Yeah. Um, we were once sober in a kebab shop in, I think it was Bristol, but it was like a very student city. And then when you do stand-up sometimes, you finish quite late at night, so you end up in towns at like one, two in the morning, and obviously we hadn't eaten. <clears throat> so the only place was a kebab shop filled with like drunk students. So I let my cap on, hood up. Sure. I don't get recognised a lot, but the last thing you want to do is recognise at two in the morning in a kebab shop sober. And I'd sort of got away with it. And then the guy, you know when you get your meat in the pitta and then they ask you what you want in it. And I was like, oh, garlic sauce, please. (laughs) Chilli sauce. And as I was speaking, you could see like meerkats. Everyone's sort of turning round. And, and then the thing that makes my mate Steve laugh, I don't remember this, but he said that I ordered salad and that's when someone went, I think that's the Love Island guy. I'm like, (laughs) I'd like some salad like that. <laughs> but then, so then I'm trying to shut up. But anyway, I put mu- tomatoes in my kebab. So I'm then like trying to like semi whisper, but not speak too loud. No, no tomatoes. Whilst trying not to let the other students like recognize what I was saying. It was, yeah. Me and my mate Steve's absolutely pissing himself on the, <laughs> on the kebab shop floor. So it's a weird one. It is a weird one. I can sort of, I, I can sort of get away with day-to-day life without being recognised or anything. I say get away with it, like it's not a lovely thing that people know your stuff, it's great. Sure. But um, I can't be loud anywhere, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. Football matches, rugby matches, that sort of thing. My neighbours all know me because I I stream on Twitch and obviously when you play video games, you're very loud, especially when you're playing to a crowd. So they just all know me as like the shouty, sweary guy every weekend when I'm playing weekend league on FIFA I'm just shouting at my telly mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't ask you loads of questions about this but just from a comedy point of view I'm interested how does like recording for that show work Love Island do you do you turn up and you're given an edit and a script or, or do you improvise a bit yeah I do it 
in this very spot, uh-huh. this is sort of semi. Uh, this is where, where me and my wife do our podcast, but off season it becomes a mini sound booth. This table, this table rises up. It's very exciting, and um, yeah, we get given the episode for that day, but it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, so. The show's probably about 10 to 15 minutes longer than what it will be for the final broadcast. So there's a little bit of stuff. We Something might happen that we write a funny joke for and they're like, oh yeah, that conversation's not happening anymore. No, by six o'clock, once they've done a bit more of an edit on it, they call it the finishing. Right. <laughs> um, so it's basically the final thing. And then yeah. I get in at like two o'clock in the afternoon, done by half six. And then we just have to sort of, that's where the gaming comes in really. I just sit and play video games until about eight o'clock when they say i can go home right that's why it's nice the last few years i've been here i've actually played genuinely so much more computer games because i'm in the office with a couple of hours to kill whereas before i was in spain sort of just wandering around a a, but it was an abandoned brick storage area is what they use mercenary no that's someone that goes to fight isn't it masonry masonry area anyway it doesn't matter, does it? But that's where I that's where I was in Spain. So I had no. But that was like your booth in Spain. You mean that was my booth? Yeah, there's just, there's like five hundred of us in a bunch of porter cabins. It was sort of looked like an episode of Mad Max. Yeah, right. Like, Jeez. But, but with middle class London media types instead of like <laughs> Mad Max people. Nice. And now, I, you know, just lastly on this, so the the culture's changed quite a lot since like 2015 when you started doing that show. And Massively, I think it's fair yeah. To say, you know, audiences are a bit more sympathetic or like even protective of reality TV stars. And, you know, there, there's a lot more awareness of like the toll being on one of those shows can take on individuals after the show finish, mm-hmm, finishes. Mm-hmm. You know, has that sort of changed the way you approach the narration or think about your tone? It is something I think about. I think I got lucky in the sense that me and my friend Mark, right from the get-go, were sort of like, we knew we couldn't be, we didn't. We never said anything nasty about any of them, partly because we were like, well, where'd you go from there? The only time we're particularly cruel, we've got a sort of unwritten rule that is like, we'll make jokes about them when it's something they've done that's particularly reprehensible on the show <laughs> so like for example there's like a guy kissed a couple of girls when he was with some girl, somebody else and sort of said oh, i was just it meant i could def i definitely knew you were the one right which is a bit of a sort of moral cop out so then we made jokes for the next two days it's like oh he couldn't decide whether to sit on the sofa or sit on the sun lounger so he got off with both of them and then and <laughs> do you know what i mean so it's, right we right done, so yeah, we'd net, and it was sort of a happy coincidence, really, that that is what we did. But we, yeah, we we made that decision pretty early on that we never sort of went, "Oh, you, you idiot!" Do you know what I mean? It was never really something we did. It felt a bit like that's. We also were always looking for stuff that other people wouldn't get to. <clears throat> Twitter, Twitter's brilliant because it's made us work harder. But it also, it's like sometimes we'll see something on Twitter and we'll be like, "Well, not so much now." We've sort of. I mean, I, like a lot of people, I sort of don't really agree with that. I never agree with that that place anyway. And then there's lots of other elements. Definitely not now. Aren't they? Yeah. But like, Jimmy, you'd see a meme and you'd be like, oh, that's annoying because I thought that. But now lots of people have clearly thought that because it's a meme. <laughs> so it makes us work a bit harder, I think, which is an- annoying in some places, but hopefully it's kept us fresh, I think. Well, speaking of uh, fresh and comedy, you've got a tour that you're going on next year. Uh, Relevant is... Uh... Love. That was that was lovely. That was beautifully done. Thanks, That was buddy. really beautifully done. 
<laughs> that was seamless. It's called relevant. What came first in the the title or the routine? Um, the vibe, the feeling came first, I suppose. That's uh-huh. what came first. The sort of worry of like, what am I? What am I now? Where do I sit on this mortal coil on this earth? Oh wow! Okay, like that sort of like. I think I sit in an interesting place for comedy in that I'm sort of confused and worried and in awe of and don't understand modern culture and modern pulp culture but because of Love Island I'm like I am it mm. <laughs> so do you know what I mean I feel like my dream audience would be like if a fat like I, I, I got an older guy came with like his 17 year old son because I'm sort of making jokes about sort of like this when I done like the roast of the sidemen and like oh the, the KSI and all this <laughs> like YouTube stuff but from an from a from the angle of like what is it why does it exist and like you know I try and do me and my wife do that I remember in lockdown me and my my wife could be doing these dances on TikTok right and met we had two years of lockdown I didn't speak to anyone and then for about a year I'd written a sitcom I'd got a special out on Amazon Prime and people were literally coming up to me in the street being like those dances with your wife man are so funny <laughs> it's like the most famous thing I did in all of lockdown this is absolutely insane so yeah it's about that it's about the sort of ever-changing world of where I sit in it both like culturally and technology and daft stuff like you go and t- do you know do you know that TikTok's got a built-in filter yes. that makes your teeth whiter I didn't know that no as standard as standard right as standard the idea being people film themselves on TikTok they go oh, I look brilliant on TikTok and then they do more TikTok right 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 I'm truly myself on TikTok that's yeah. what they want you to do. That's, that's exactly what I look like in real life well the, <laughs> yeah. that filter just makes the my beard look more grey <laughs> so I'm like this app hates me uh, so yeah, stuff like that, just silly stuff like that. So hopefully people like it. Is it all written or are you still working on it? We're five months away, so I'm about 35, 40 minutes in. And then I, I like to have, for a tour, I like to have about an hour of stuff, hour of show, and then anyone that's seen me live or sort of knows what I'm like as a person, that's an hour-long show that, after distractions, takes about an hour 20. Right. By the time I've, someone's wearing a T-shirt or someone asks me a question or so i don't it's not so much heckles it's more i'll just notice something going on so it's about an hour 20 with distractions and then this, and then my mate steve at the start so you get a two, two hours two hours of comedy for your money yeah including a break but the break's brilliant as well and it? <laughs> it is I'm good yeah to do something funny during the break is what i try and do so you've got i mean like you say you're sort of you're both establishment in the sense that you're on like mainstream tv terrestrial yeah. tv and everyone knows you for that but you're also you know stand-up comic and you've got a sitcom and you're on twitch and all of these things so you've got all of that mix in your audience are you thinking about your video game twitch audience being there or do you think they're not going to come out no i do I, do you know what uh, twitch is really interesting in the height of lockdown twitch which i enjoyed at the time i wonder how it felt if it carried on but twitch was obviously pretty much my main job in lockdown right yeah especially i done a live stream on a sunday that was sort of like it, i think it, at one point it was basically the most watched fifa stream do you mean at that time and mm-hmm. on a weekend saturday sunday because of a there's a competitive mode on fifa called foot champs so weekend is sort of the high traffic time of fifa so i i, I hope i doesn't i'm not doing that to be like oh 
look how great I am. I just mean like it was a really massive part of my life that for a long time. Yes. Uh, now it's a lot more hobbyist. So I don't get particularly large viewers or anything, but the people I do are so regular. And actually, it's probably the most common thing that's like shouted out to me or or that people backstage or, or would wait for me at say stage door or something because I think those people know me the best weirdly right yeah it's intimate isn't it yeah but um alfie brown who's a fantastic stand-up comedian he described twitch as a long-form social media which (laughs) i really like lovely yeah and i think twitch is actually the most true to me of anything that i do because i'm just playing computer games for like two to three hours a day and if i'm in a bad mood if there's something happening if i'm having a delivery of the house that day and i'm stressed about it you can't play fifa and pretend that's not happening yeah right i had like loads of tech issues when we when lockdown first happened and i was trying to get the internet working i ended up having to have this like 50 meter ethernet cable throughout the whole house that was two or three times the twitch stream just ended when my wife was like we can't have this f-ing cable running through the house anymore <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i bet she loved that and then it turned out there was actually a Ethernet cable in my room drilled through the wall from the previous owner that I didn't know about. So obviously now I still get people coming up to me being like, how's your internet? Because I just had <laughs> such a nightmare for about six months. So I lo- that's why I love Twitch. I think it is the most true to me because it's just me talking, <clears throat> being myself for two to three hours. Brilliant. But sadly now I sort of only pop on very sporadically and at random times, which obviously makes it impossible to track. Oh, right, so you're yeah. never going to sort of build up any sort of momentum but that's not what i'm there for if you know what i mean i'm there to sort of sure meet the few people that do or happen to be on and say hello and yeah i'd love i would love it to go back to even just like once a week having like a regular thing that i could just pop on and do and hopefully my schedule will allow for that at some point yeah yeah right we better come to the premise of the podcast i've asked you to pick the five video games you want to put on your perfect ideal fictional console you pick five great games uh do you want to tell us about your first one from 2014 what was the game and why do you love it the one from 2014 yeah would that be what the it's the one with things that we're not allowed to call zombies but they're, they're zombies oh no sorry <laughs> no. it's uh, a last of us last remastered. Of us remastered that's the one <laughs> my favorite sto- it's my favorite storyline of any game i think it's arguably the best written and performed storyline in a game I, i'm i this is one of the few ones that i imagine you've had a few times mm-hmm. is that a fair yeah fair I, I had it a couple of times either the first one or the second the first was infinite i mean the first one is infinitely better than the second anyone that's picking the second is a m- maniac <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that it's bad, but it's, it isn't as good as the first. Right, right. <laughs> Simon? Well, uh, I mean, I like I like both of them. They both got, uh, I think Glenn, Glenn Moore picked, uh, picked the second one. Do you know, he Glenn? knows his stuff, to be fair, but he yeah. looked at it to be different. Right, okay. 
No, maybe not. He does. He Glenn knows a lot more about videos than me. I mean, I didn't. You said zombies in 2014, and I still couldn't remember which one it was. I'd, I'd said. So I've really not got a line, a leg to stand on. I just loved it. I think it it looks so beautiful. It's one of the the most caringly remastered games I've ever played. You can tell they've really taken the extra yards. The the part where they're going through the main city and the, the, all the animals from the zoo are escaping, they're walking past the giraffes and all that stuff, if you remember that bit. It is, yeah. Then they go down in, into the basement of that building, there's like all the clickers in the water. It's just, be- it's, compared to the original game, you can, it's like, it's like, wow, you've painstakingly gone through this, like, so yeah, fair play yeah. to you sort of thing. Did you watch the TV show recently? Yes, I did, it's great. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to like it, but it's the, the the TV show's great. Last of Us 2 is unbelievable. I mean, Last of Us and Last of Us 2 are... The Last of Us 2 would probably be on... The, I mean, I'm making fun of people. Last of Us 2 would probably be on this um, list if it wasn't for the fact Last of Us is. Right, yeah, yeah. They sort of, to me anyway, they feel a bit like Messi, Ronaldo. They're up there in like sort of like Final Fantasy... They're sort of like... Do you know I mean? They're up there with like Final Fantasy 7 and like... Mario Brothers and stuff in terms of like absolute of their era iconic right true games yeah absolutely so I don't know I can't I don't know what else there is to say do you know what else I loved on it the um, online mode the 4v4 did you ever play that no but uh, we had to, it's honestly brilliant yeah yeah we, one of our uh, my previous guests talked about that and how much she loved that so yeah it's the best part of the game <laughs> genuinely I'm like it was the, such an amazing part of the game I wonder if you went on now to try and play it there'd be enough people on it to like yeah maybe even get a game started it's always sad when they turn the servers off for that kind of thing and feels like the end yeah i wonder if they're still up it was so good and it's sort of like it didn't have that sort of like call of duty when you go online and you're just dead within six seconds and you parachute in there's people like taking it with rockets as you're coming out of the plane and stuff so it just felt like a nice pace to it they always got the balance really nice in terms of like you didn't have like infinite ammo but it didn't also feel like you were sort of like scrimping and saving there's just like so many memorable moments even like um i've forgotten the what's the young lass's name again i forget uh ellie ellie of course i love that when ellie when you were ellie with the bow and arrow and you're like <laughs> going to get the the, the medicine the yeah. penicillin or whatever it's just like cause when you first go ellie i was like oh god <laughs> i always hate this but i always hate the secondary characters in these oh things. i see right they, yeah they've sort of got annoying game mechanics that just are, are there just to make it feel a bit different but it was really fun doing that yeah I just love it I just love it I and like I said I was just so excited from when it came out as a TV show I was like to my my wife so I'm slowly trying to convince her to get into games <laughs> and she's like oh, I don't want to watch I've got her to watch like June and she was like oh, I don't want to watch a video game and I was like oh, it's actually not a great storyline or film annoyingly and then the the Last of Us was just brilliant. She got into it. She yeah, well into it. Oh, that's yeah, good. loved it. Nice. Loved it. And then as a and then and then I watched the Colleen Rooney documentary as a sort of uh, right as, as that your part paper, of the... which I actually is one of my favourite things I've seen in years as well now. <laughs> they haven't made a video game of that yet, but that, they should. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine a game of Wagatha Christie. It's... I would play it. It would that would be massive on Twitch. The Wagatha Christie game. It's so Huge. weird. Yeah. It should be like a, a Sims DLC or something. Yes, that would totally work. Oh my gosh, we'll get on the phone to EA. Right, so yeah, Ian, let's, tell me about your story. So you grew up in Edinburgh, was I right with that? Yes, up in Edinburgh the whole whole, whole life, all the way through uni as well, yeah. Mm. What was that like? What were you like as a kid? Um, 
odd, a bit odd. Like my mum always says, whenever she comes to see me stand up, it's a bit much for a nursery. But at nursery, the nursery teacher told my mum that I would never walk into the, a, a room with a glass of wine and talk to some, be able to talk to somebody. <laughs> oh wow! Which just shows you the sort of. Um, <laughs> Shows you sort of harsh realities kids dealt with in the nineties, <laughs> yeah, really. That's it. Imagine saying that. You would know. Imagine saying that now. You wouldn't have got that in a Glasgow nursery, I don't think. <laughs> nah. Yeah, your, your kid will probably be unable to talk in public. <laughs> anyway, see him tomorrow. Basically, is what happened. Wild. Wow. But quiet. Love my vid. Like love my video games, and also they weren't. It's sort of annoying. I loved graphic novels and video games, which were like you would get beaten up for liking them when I was a kid. Right. And now everyone likes them. Imagine, imagine, I don't even think, I'm trying to think Master System and that wouldn't have even had like Marvel games because Marvel... No. I'm trying to think. There was like a Marvel fighting game for PlayStation, but it, nothing before that. Yeah, think, PlayStation yeah. 1 would be the first time it'd come in. Yeah, there's yes. sort of like Tekken rip-offs and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, there'd be nothing in my... But if, you ha- if that did exist, you would absolutely get beaten up for playing it. Whereas now it's like, it's the coolest thing, like, do you know what I mean? It's the coolest thing in the world to be good at FIFA or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, I liked video games and I sort of liked, and then I got into sort of um, sport a bit, but not really. And then it was, wasn't was until sort of university where I, I found stand-up. At university, I sort of found my tribe, so <laughs> to speak, like my people. <laughs> what made you decide to do law then? So I went, the sort of school I went, I was the only boy that, in my year, they went to university, and because of my school, they had a sort of like, um, what's the word for it? Like an affirmative action thing to like get people from my school to go to university. So, I, with my grades from my school, I could do anything basically. Nice. Do you know what I mean? They were like, you go wherever you want because you're the the one <laughs> that wants to do it. So you decided to stay in Edinburgh. So I stayed in. I mean, which sort of is sort of gives you an idea of what where I grew up was like. Right. With these grades, you can do whatever you want. And I went brilliant. I will go to the place ten minutes on a bus. <laughs> and I, and that was exciting. Is the most exciting thing there. Do you know what I mean? Town. Right. Going into town was mad. I never done it really. Right. Okay. Um, I loved it. And I'm, at uni, I met people that were like me in that they worked hard, but they also liked to drink and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were a, a bit naughty, but they would never cross the line. Because that was the thing about my school. There's there some brilliant people from there, but they didn't care. Like, I don't mean they didn't care as in they didn't care. I mean, they just didn't... Like, when you pulled the pen, it would just... Things would kick off. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas all of a sudden, I met these people that were a bit mad, but they also went, right, okay, we're about to get in trouble, yeah? Do you know what I mean? And that was sort of... That's been my vibe for my whole life. Really. That was more who you were... Yeah, and I found them, and then weirdly, I also found like stand up, and I sort of yeah, and that's when I was like, oh yeah, I love all this. How did you find stand up then? Like you know, you you're doing going along to your to your law law lectures. What took you down there? Um, Edinburgh University. I've got a thing called the Edinburgh Improverts, which is like an improvised comedy thing. And around the time I was doing it, there's a guy called Humphrey Kerr. He was the leader of it, who's now weirdly quite famous as like the Rex MS. He's like Rex MFC's like really chair manager or something. Now he basically he's one of the guys that got all the Hollywood lads into Rexham. He's an actor in his own right, and he's amazing. And like Miles Jopp had just come through the uh, the Improverts, and there's like David Reed and Tom Tuck, and the, these guys were all like big names in the Edinburgh comedy circuit at the time. So it's dead cool. So I just gave it a go, like, and I never really went anywhere. I was okay, but never great. But that gave me the bug. And then from then, 
I went to Edinburgh Fringe a few times to do like sketch shows with a friend and um, and then when the, everyone else gave up so I was on my own so then I just sort of had I'd done stand-up sort of out of necessity as and there was no do you know what I mean I couldn't I basically done improv it's a very like old man thing like, I'd done improv with like 10 people then sketch comedy with just one other person and then eventually I was just left on my own I'm like um, what are they called what's the oh, pa- I'm like Panic at the Disco <laughs> <laughs> just slowly whittled down to one person, sort of accidentally. So yeah, and then I done stand up, and then like very quickly into stand up, I done that chortle thing that you mentioned. Yeah, that I came second. Joel Ice it came first, and I came second, and then it just snowballed from there really. And then university became very much a second option, and I just sort of plowed on. Yeah, that often happens. Right, let's uh, let's come to your second game then. So th- I'm going to get it first a... time this time. I'm not, I'm not going to mess this one up. Okay, this is a football game. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. So it's Airform Gym, this one. And uh, <laughs> no, a FIFA, but very spe- I've got very specifically FIFA 17. People say football never changes. EA Sports. It's in the game. We see it differently. Football has changed. The best FIFA. If you're yeah, why is, why is 17 the best then? Um, I feel like the gameplay and stuff from FIFA 17 to FIFA 19 is the best FIFA ever was. There's sort of like, uh, there's a lot of meta elements to FIFA that can be like broken nowadays and are broken. A lot of people, and due with YouTube channels and all that, Oof. once the meta's discovered, you end, if you play at a high enough level, not that I'm, I'm not saying I'm professional, but don't forget, I play like 15 hours a week and have done since I was like 12. So like right. by default, I'm half decent. Sure, sure. Everyone does the same tactics. 17, 18, maybe not so much 19. But then the main reason is 17 was when Foot Champions started, is. which is, for those that don't know, a competitive game mode that's basically used to qualify you for professional tournaments. But you get to play 40 games. Well, in FIFA 17, you played 40 games and you could only play them on Saturday and Sunday. That's 20 minutes a game plus loading into the game like you do the maths. Wow. I would do it every week. So I was doing, I would basically get up at like 11 o'clock in the morning, play FIFA until I left for my gigs about six, get home from my gigs and just play it some more. No way. Now they've changed it. It's now Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they've dropped the amount of games to 20. It went down to 30, then it went down to 20. I think they sort of, EA sort of done the maths and went, this is actually dangerous what we're doing to people. <laughs> they gave me stat readouts and can see can see they're ruining lives. Yeah, I think it was getting quoted on like divorce. And there's genuine divorce papers, right? Where they cite like guys like just playing football manager in FIFA. Who's... I would like to give an honorary shout out to Championship Manager. Yeah, classic. And I use that words deliberately because that was I I played Championship Manager in my sort of like last year of high school when I'd already got the grades I needed for uni 
I'd done like every every football fan's done. I took like Hibernian to the Champions League final and stuff. Yes, which, yeah, which yeah. you've got to love to do. And also, any man or woman of my age, sort of mid thirties to thirty, mid thirty to forty, will have been alive or been in the height of gaming during the pro evil revolution. Absolutely, it lasted yeah. for about two or three years. But what what year? I'm trying to think. About two thousand and five, I reckon. To about two, maybe not earlier. Two thousand and four to about two thousand and seven, I reckon. Maybe. Yeah. When you either backed one or the other, the Konami's football game. Or- yeah, and it was the only time Pro Evo would like manage to be a decent thing. And even FIFA then had to introduce classic and alternative controls. Yes. So that Pro Evo players could play FIFA. Because I was a. I would have been used an alternative, but now I've played FIFA so much, I've gone back. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for a long time, I've been old. You know what I mean? I've been, I'd have been shooting with square like a madman. Yeah. So yeah, honorary mentions to Championship Manager and Pro Evil, but for me, it's FIFA. And obviously, on Twitch, I'm mainly a a FIFA streamer. Yeah. Well, they've, they've and dropped. If you don't agree with. They've dropped FIFA now, haven't they? From the from the name of the game this year. EAFC. That's the it's one. called now. They've lost FIFA. I don't. I, I don't know what. I actually don't... This is the first year I've not been properly caught up with it all, but I don't quite know what's happened. And it doesn't seem to have affected the players or anything. I think FIFA just asked for too much money for the licence. and they. But also, I don't know what the licence got them because they seem to have all the players and all the strips and everything. Strips. Kits. Something like my dad. They've got all the football colours on the game at the minute. I don't really see what the fuss is about. <laughs> Yeah, they've got the kit. Yeah, I don't know what the what FIFA was bringing to the party. Really, they seem to be good riddance. Really, I thought the game would have got. Uh, yeah, and I, also I would like to add as well. I always like, but although I do stream it and I do spend a bit of money on it, I don't. I always like to have the the element of the game of buying packs. The money you can spend on buying packs and opening packs does it is gambling. I'd like to make that. My opinion, my opinion is it is gambling. I'd like to make that very clear. I don't think that young people should be spending money on FIFA. I don't think that means they shouldn't be allowed to play it. I think if you're a parent who doesn't understand gaming and your kid's got FIFA, I think you should look into it very carefully. And it always sat uncomfortable with me, but it does feel like it's getting more and more that way. Like there's just little things they do at the minute. Like a lot of the packs you buy now are like untradeable players, which doesn't sound like much to the layman amongst us but it basically means before you could buy players that were like tradable on a market so you could get coins which means you'd have more coins to buy more players whereas now you sort of like they make the packs untradable which means you open them and if you don't get the player you want there is nothing else you can do with those cards so you're sort of stuck the only option is to well I'll open more then yeah buy another yeah exactly in its current form ultimate team where you build your dream team with the packs should be 18 plus yeah yeah i think uh regulations are going to catch up with them along the lines of what you said there so yeah yeah and i hope that that's another thing is you want to be on the right side of history so to speak like i i mean i want it to i want to be able to turn around when it does happen and it will and be like i i did say yeah but also it's difficult right because it's my favorite game of all like i, I played fifa 99 i played fifa 96 <laughs> yeah. in fact and also Anyone that's listened to this that's over the age of 30 will know it's a video game that's online that I'm, I I can actually beat people. I tried Call of Duty in lockdown for about three months. I loved it, but like couldn't keep up. Yeah. Fortnite, loved it. But again, people were building like the Taj Mahal and, I'd been, and I was hiding in a bush. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it was like, it was just 
FIFA, I could genuinely go toe-to-toe with a 14-year-old, which is, you can't say that about many computer games. You can't say that. No. Full stop. No, no. We'll leave it in, but... <laughs> I contextualized it quick enough. I realized what it sounded like and I gave it enough context quickly enough that it's fine. We'll clip that out. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, so tell me, when did you when did you get talent spotted by the BBC? I was at a gig in London. I was at a place called the Comedy Store, and I got spotted by a girl called Christina, who was back in the day Ed the Duck. Yes, it is. She was technically the voice. She was her arm was Ed. I see. And I don't think she was a voice of Ed the Duck, but she had one of those um, whistles that hunters use that sound like a duck. Right, right, right. And it was after I sort of do very gross like adult stand-up do you know what I mean it's not like kids stand-up sure. and she sort of was like oh Jonas stay and audition for kids tv and I generally thought it was a wind-up because it's like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday like do you know what I mean yeah so I went home back up to Edinburgh I was in my final year of uni at that point I think yeah final year of uni and then the comedy store got in touch and went the BBC have been in touch do you want to audition for kids tv and I said not particularly but then the BBC said where are you next in London? And I was down at the comedy store again doing the Paramount Funny Student Paramount, which is now Comedy Central. Yeah. Funny Student. I, I came runner up in that one as well. Joe Lice at the Chortle. I came a runner up to Tom Rosenthal and the Paramount one. And they said, Do you want to audition for Kids TV? They said they pay for my train and stuff. And I was obviously skint. So I was like, Yeah, cool. Done the audition. And then, like, a few months later, when I was studying for my final exams, they were like, Do you want to come to London and do Kids TV? And so it wasn't. I was made up at that point, and then yeah, they they gave me a couple of months to like, do my exams, and then I came straight to straight to London. I think I had my last exam on a Thursday. I got on the train to London on Sunday, and I done recorded my first TV thing on a Monday. Oh, that's incredible, isn't it? Wild in wow. hindsight, yeah, wild. I missed I missed my first ever live link. I never I don't think I've told anyone that because I'm obviously used to working normal jobs. So they said, "Oh, we're live at nine. But they obviously had worked with proper presenters before, so they just assumed I'd know what that meant. So I came, I arrived at nine, but because I was like, I was a student vibes, so I was like, came at like three minutes past nine. Like three minutes late, not the end of the world, obviously the link had finished. <laughs> it was live telly. So they were like, where have you been? You didn't, they just thought I wasn't coming. 
because they were like, you're live at nine, so we thought you'd get here at like seven, hair and makeup, learn your script, yada, yada, yada. I was like, well, no one told no one told me that. No one defined the terms for me. You said live at night. Yeah. Here I am, live. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's get into this. So yeah, then then we had a week of like teaching me sort of what telly was. And then they're like, oh, so you registered funny. for tax. I was like, what? They were like, oh, for God. Right. <laughs> I had a similar thing. Like, because when I first started writing about video games for magazines, I went in and met an editor and he was like, great, we've got you on this review. Are you okay to supply the grabs? I had no idea what grabs are with them. It means like screenshots for the games. This is before you could just press a button on your PS5 controller and take a picture. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that like 10, 10, 15 years ago, that was an absolute pain in the butt. Right. So, yeah, completely. But I had no idea what grabs meant. And it's ungoogleable. You can't go like magazine grabs and it tells you what it is. So I just well, I went home and was like, I said, oh, yeah, I'll be fine to do that. But I had no idea. Anyway. <laughs> what did you, did you, did you have to ask them what is a grab? I'm actually wondering what, what, what happened. Or did he just. I think I asked someone else. Yeah, who who is like a freelancer, what it meant. And then I was like, oh, no, I can't supply grabs. <laughs> I'm going to have to go oh, back. Absolutely. I absolutely, I'm not a wizard, I'm afraid. I have none of the equipment for that. <laughs> yeah, what would you have done it with? Because I don't even think like an H, like got like the HD60 would even have existed yeah. or anything like that, would they? Like, you couldn't even They just... had like special PCs. I mean, this is such a tangent, sorry. But they had like special PCs. No, I love it. No, it's, this is, this is shit. <laughs> Folk that are listening to a podcast like this, this is, this is I, I love this. Yeah, well, Future Publishing, which was the publisher that it was, they had like a little tech team, IT team that would make PCs specifically that you played your consoles through and then you could hear the space bar. But they like cost two grand or something. It was really, really expensive and I couldn't afford it or anything. So, uh, mad, yeah. mad. No, it's mad. So I had to go into the office and do it by hand. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Jesus. Back to your story, Ian. So I was reading like a, there's a great interview with you in the in Independent from earlier this year I think and you wrote about that time like when you were doing the children's TV presenting I'm 22 and I want to be Bill Hicks and I'm dressed as a ballerina talking to a puppet dog it's not ideal yeah I think like you know people can't necessarily relate to like what you were doing but they can relate to that situation of like doing work that's sort of related to their dream but also can feel a bit like it's just slightly too tangential leading you away from it yeah I think it's also the length of time you do it for right like you do do this to get to here and then all of a sudden you're there and then you can feel that path just slowly like I'm carrying down this path was meant to cut me back onto this motorway and I'm literally now so far away from where I need to be and there's two there's two thoughts with that I do feel like one my early time at kids tv I had such a nice time but I was so young and like wanted to be cool and like respected like it's mad the stuff I got jealous of I got jealous of like comedians that didn't have jobs like my mates my comedians that were skin I weirdly was jealous of them <laughs> like do you know what I mean like I was jealous of them like going to the cinema during the day and talking about stand-up and having to get a bus to gigs because they had no money and I was like well I've got like I wasn't obviously I was doing kids TV like I wasn't like men it was like a it was like a normal paid job basically right yeah a well I'm sorry a well paid job but not like I mean I'm not like a movie star <laughs> but because I was so blinkered into what I wanted so like, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is one you totally have to focus on what you want and you have to go out and get it but I do worry especially this day and age where it's like everything's accessible at your fingertips and it's like there's so many success like YouTubers are like. I made him get to a million followers in a fortnight and all this. 
And I feel like if you blinker into what you want, you miss all the like amazing stuff that goes by. Because when I was doing kids TV, like it was class. Like I was live on television every day, yeah, five days a week. I miss live TV so much, and it'll probably never happen again. Like, right? Because there's who's watching live TV? Like, why would you just turn on? There's literally Twitch is literally a thing dedicated to live stuff if you want it. Yeah. And what a training you're getting as well, I guess, being in that situation day in, day after out, having to be in control. I was doing twin I was doing twenty five minutes of telly every day for 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 five days a week for four years. Like it's hard to see the good in it, I suppose, when you're in it and you're like, this isn't Well, I think it's I think it's a mixture. Hard to see the good in it when you're in it, and also I'm 21, and I I do not understand that world. So right. But by that I mean one, I don't understand what how important what I'm doing is, and two, I don't understand how lucky I am because it just happened. As far as I'm concerned, I was I'm not that great, and I'm and I'm here. Do you know what I mean? I'd literally done a couple of gigs, couple of auditions, and now I'm like doing this. So it must be easy. Anyone can do it. And obviously, as you go down the road. And then as I left that job and tried to get other jobs and didn't, then I was like, oh my God, this is, it's actually impossible to get jobs in this industry. You were so lucky. So I think it is important. I think it's important to be focused and know what you want from life and have that bigger picture, but don't do it to the detriment of what's going on in your life right at this minute. Yeah. And what you and also what you're doing might be, there's a reason for it. Like if I'm being completely honest, I'm, to be completely honest, like I'm, I'm, I'm a good stand-up comedian, and I, 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 I sort of doesn't sit with me even saying that. But the reason I'm saying that is I'm not the best ever, but I tell you what, weirdly, I might be one of the best people ever to host kids TV with a puppet. Like the stuff, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I might weirdly be one of the best people. I sort of inadvertently created a way to do a funny voiceover on reality TV. It was a niche thing to create, but I did it. Yeah. So maybe all this stuff around Stan that was meant to happen because that was my like, you know, thing I was meant to do or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I always, it's funny you mentioned that quote because I think about that a lot where I'm like, I, don't, I hope that didn't come across as like ungrateful or anything. No, but I suppose the 22 year old me was ungrateful, but because I, I felt like it was take, it was getting in the way of what I really wanted to do and achieve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, Ian, let's come to your, your third game, which is from 2018. So, uh, do you know this one or do you need a clue? 2018. So, I'd, weirdly, I do know one's from 2020. Yeah. Uh, I know that yeah. one. Cause it was... And then the one from this year. The one from this year? Oh, yeah, of course, that one. So, that, a way out. There we go. <laughs> Best ending of a video game ever. You, have you played it? Is this the like prison break game? Yeah. It's based on 
Now, maybe I got to, but did you play with your I mate? Did, I did play friend? with a friend, yeah, over over online, during lockdown, in fact. Were you screaming at each other at the end? That's so like good. almost blaming each other? <laughs> yeah. We, I, honestly, I, I, it's the best reveal at the end of a video game ever. I loved it. So, like, I love it so much. It's based on what's the famous prison in San Francisco? Oh, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. It's a, it's a, it's a real life escape that happened in Alcatraz. Yeah. But basically, you're, it's a two player game and it has to be played two player. Literally, you can't do it any other way. And you're two lads escaping a, a prison. And it's like, a lot of it's quite, the gameplay itself can be a bit monotonous, I think. Like, there's no skill cap on it. Is that a fair thing to say? Like, yes, yes. as in, you can keep watch. So one of you will keep watch while the other one digs a hole yes, in their cell it. sort of thing. Or hide in the laundry and you get pushed around by the other one. That's one of the scenes. Isn't yeah, it? that sort of yeah. thing. But like, it's all very much like to dig, you just roll our stick. Yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? And you stop rolling our stick when the police officer's walks past you and basically the only way you get caught is if you get bored of rolling the arse so you keep doing it until he catches exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. But the storyline is really compelling. If you get through those bits, the idea of it is absolutely amazing. If you're playing it with someone you're like obviously friendly with, it isn't, doesn't take ages to complete and in the end, oh, the end is so good. I remember laughing so much in that game as well because like like you say it's a little bit awkward and chunky in places but if you're playing with like a good buddy it's very funny like when you get caught repeatedly for little yeah, things. Yeah we had a bit there's a one bit I mean none of it's spoilers because it's not the storyline's all over the place and also I think you get a different storyline depending who you go and what happens and stuff I mean I can't imagine it's much but like there's one bit where you run into a car park and my mate I was playing with my, my, my mate Luke we originally streamed together. We streamed it. And not only Twitch got rid of all old VODs, I wish I could have got a hold of it. And he kept running at the car park and getting caught by the police. And we were there for an hour. And I was dying laughing. Yeah. Because he just kept on getting us busted. <laughs> and yeah, if you've got if you've got someone that really into games and really wants to give it a go, it is so much fun that the what the bit when you, there's some bits of the gameplay that are actually really good gameplay like when they're on the raft on the water escaping the police on the is it a raft or a boat I can't remember now something like that yeah that's kind of almost feels like this feels a little bit like Tomb Raider like it's getting somewhere it's fun all the stuff in the prison is like I mean literally a child could complete it but it's fun and then yeah but I just loved it. And also, there's a reason there's not many games like it because obviously it's just there's can't be no one's buying a game that you need to play with someone else. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just a ridiculous thing to uh, uh, expect of someone. Yeah. But yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, very nice. So yeah, I mentioned in the intro in your um, your sitcom that uh, the second season of which uh, aired earlier this year. It's uh, yeah, obviously like a fictionalized sort of comedy riff on your experiences on TV, uh, children's, children's TV. How how autobiographical did you get with the with the with the show? Some of it's like basically exactly what happened. Like there's a bit where a, that you can actually there is actually a clip on YouTube of me and Hacker the Dog hosting a bit of TV where the book falls off of a table and cracks Phil's head open while he's the dog. Yeah. Katie says, I score the suck. But what does it mean? Ow! <laughs> oh, Ian, that hurt. That's heavier than it looks as well. Right on, Yed. Oh, Ian. 
Oh, and it's my last week. <sighs> this, you're not going to have this for much longer. And then also I'm saying, are you okay? The dog's going, I've hurt my foot. Because obviously it looks like it's landed in, but it's actually landed on a man's head. The thing I loved about doing that sitcom was I could weirdly be the most honest I've ever been because you get to mix up reality with fiction which means no one ever knows. Like in terms of like, it never becomes like if I was doing like a doc series, like the Beckhams and everything becomes like clickbait in a newspaper. Yeah, right. Whereas no one knows where the line starts of like, did I have a horrible boss? Yes. Was it exactly like that? No. There was also bits we had to, we had to cut from the show eventually. Like, Oh really? The lawyers got to it. Yeah. Just stuff. And then just stuff that was a bit, yeah, <laughs> but not because anyone was getting named and shamed or anything, just because they were like, this is like insane to do. Right. And like, oh, it really happened. <laughs> like, me and Hacker, because we're the BBC, and I mean this with the utmost respect, but it is just funny. We had to rehearse every year for what would happen if the Queen died. Because so uh, we're live television and we're the BBC. That is something you genuinely have to do. I'd imagine if you were the one to announce it. <laughs> I could have. T- I literally could have told you what would have happened because I would have. We've rehearsed it. Would the dog stay in shot? Well, this is the thing. Every year we have to rehearse with the dog and try and make that not offensive. <laughs> so it'd be like the Queen's side, and then this little dog would go, "Oh no!" And someone would shout, "Cut!" <laughs> I remember we had an hour-long meeting, which is like, uh, which was basically where'd you put a poppy on a dog? Because <laughs> he's bit. He is a presenter, so he's got to wear one. But you can't put it on his fur because then you've got kids running, putting badges in their pets. <laughs> so we had put his collar in the end, which seems like a happy... We put it in his bowl at one point and that felt like weirdly offensive right, as well. Right, yeah. It was a it's nightmare. Good to know the puppy was remembering the fallen each year. We rehearsed it at the end. He was going to he was gonna genuinely stand in the corner facing the wall, <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> Solid Blair Witch Project. Just would have looked sarcastic, surely. <laughs> e- e- everything a prophet does is sarcastic. That's the problem. Once Phil got fed up, we had rehearsed it so many times, he was getting so annoyed. He just went, oh, but she was so young. <laughs> oh, jeez. So that got cut. <laughs> so well, that scene that scene got cut. That was the opening scene of the whole sitcom. And then, obviously, by that point, she was still with us. Right, yeah. And then, sadly, she passed. So they were like, you've got to nip that out. <laughs> oh, okay, of course. Because I, 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 I mean that, with no disrespect whatsoever, no, it's more course. the situation. Of is course, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? So, like, I think whenever a comedian or a writer returns to that early part of their career or life, you know, to sort of mine it a bit for material, there's a risk that I guess you sort of point point your finger at your younger self, or you sort sort of betray yourself in a in a little way. Yeah, how do you feel about about the younger you in that situation? Is it is it someone you feel empathy for or pride, or where are you at with it? Yeah, I feel like. Um... I feel like he done well. I, he was he was he was in such a rush. I felt like I wanted to sort of be on live at the Apollo and be a comedian and be. Do, it wasn't about being well famous. It was about doing my own tours and big rooms and stuff. And now I've done it at thirty five, which to the young me would have felt forever ago. I'm now sort of thinking, bloody hell! I'm, I've already done that. I've got to keep doing either getting them bigger or keeping them at this size for like. 15 more years that feels really stressful actually right 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded a bit of a run up to it you know I also admire him because he not intentionally but I sort of foregoed because I had kids TV and was working and doing stand up at the weekends my whole 20s I never went on like a holiday with my friends do you know what I mean all my friends were going like Magaluf and that and going on the Raz and 
trips away to like Airbnbs in Portugal. I think I'd done that once. And you couldn't be hungover. Well, I could be hungover. I was in my twenties. I was still hungover every night, but I couldn't. Do you I mean, I didn't go and like. I didn't go abroad on holidays. I didn't mm. like go back up to Edinburgh as much as I probably could because I was filming in London. And but none of I didn't consciously do mm. that. If you know what I mean, I was, it was what I wanted to do. I was doing kids TV five days a week and then gigging four nights a week. So like, what was I going to do? So I, whereas now I'd be a lot more aware of like my. I'd be like, no, hang on a second. Even before I had children, I'd still be like, oh, hang on a minute, I need a weekend to myself here. Yeah, yeah. I was never. I never considered that in my first like 10 years, which is probably why I got to where I got to and why I've done so much stuff because there's just not enough hours in the day otherwise. All right, Ian, let's come to your fourth game then. So uh, this is from 2020, is it? Yeah. I'm going to get it the first time. (laughs) It's the white door. Welcome to our institute. We are here to help you retrieve your lost memories and bring back color to your life. I don't know this game. What's this? What's the wide door? Are you joking? I think they're Dutch. It's a the company called Rusty Lake. It's like a. It's really hard to explain, but it's sort of all done in... It's all 2D animation. They do puzzle games. They've done loads. They've got a new one out that's actually two-player. I've not played it yet. But this one, you basically start in a room. You're in a mental asylum. And basically, you've got to carry on having the same day every day. But, like, little clues pop up on the mirror and in your diary and all that. And you basically work your way out of the asylum and back through your own thoughts and stuff and it's the it's like 2d penciled line drawing animations it's really beautiful to look at and the white door at the start is completely in black and white and then sort of oh, it fills in changes i don't want to i don't want to ruin it for anyone but sort of changes it as it goes on and it's like again quite quick to complete which is great if you're on a schedule it's really it, if you've never played a Rusty Lake game before it's nothing like you've ever played before in your life you could pick any of them they're all good I think the White Door is my favourite but there's loads oh sweet well I will get on that that sounds great it is brilliant it's really good I, all the Rusty Lake stuff and it's probably like there's probably like the smallest company that I'm going to like big up in this list I didn't want to go like to I wanted to, it's hard isn't it because I play hundreds of video games so I wanted to, part of me went, oh, I want to go niche and get some, and another part of me went, well, but now I have got, like you can't, I don't know how anyone in, in can have a list of the best five games and not have the last of us <laughs> in it, like it's sort of impossible. But then I've not got like, you know, I've not got some stuff that you would think you've got to have. Like I've not got a Final Fantasy enough. It's, it's all right. You can you back your console, Ian. It's uh, it's good stuff, man. I'm happy with my list. I'm happy with my list. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I want to say I'm aware that there's no Mario on this. I'm aware Don't worry of that. About that. Mario will be fine. I'm sure someone else can pick Mario Kart for the twentieth. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. So uh, I loved your I loved your season of Taskmaster, Ian. Ah, oh, thank you. You came across as quite a competitive young man, I'd say. But perhaps the uh, yep. first time we've seen that side side of you on uh, on TV. Uh, how do you reflect on that experience? Taskmaster is a TV show that is as fun to watch as it is to be on. Do you know, you watch like an action film, you're like, imagine being Gandalf, that must be amazing. And then you just see like, 
Ian McKellen in a green screen going, you shall not pass. And then he has to do it 95 times. It's actually the worst thing to do in the world ever. Taskmaster is exactly like it looks on television. They're so clever at making it that fun for the people in it. The competitive thing I slightly regret in that I am quite competitive in real life, but I also thought it would be funny. And actually, weirdly, for a stand-up that's on a lot of telly, I hadn't done a lot of panel shows. So I was new to the world of panel shows. It's not really a typical panel show anyway, is it? Yeah, and you do two episodes a day. So if you watch that series, I think about the first six episodes, which is three days, I think I go mad competitive. And I think I have a sort of thing, a realisation where I'm like, I think this is a bit much. And then the next sort of like, do you mean the next few days I'm not like that, if that makes sense. Um, So I I was basically that, the only thing, and I don't regret it, because I think it's a brilliant series and like Paul Sinai's, Paul Sinai and Taskmaster is maybe one of the funniest things to happen to Taskmaster. He's he's got to be up there in your top. 10 or whatever he's just brilliant at he's so brilliantly bad at it and i love and i loved like me and lou have been gigging together for years we know each other really well we've like got the same management we've we've, i've been on her podcast talking about we just we get on really well like i met joe who obviously in between us was like the soundtrack of my university so like yeah sort of wild shan she's the nicest person um so it's brilliant i think the only thing i think is is like i'm slightly annoyed that it was such a, a high profile thing to do and i picked those three days to be the most competitive i've been in my entire life it's sort of a bit do you know what i mean if i'd done it on like one podcast that a few yeah, yeah. people listen to it'd be fine but the sort of thing that defines me now is me screaming at lewis sanders on a hammock and i'm like i'm, I'm not that i wasn't for the record like obviously i wanted to win that challenge but i wasn't that bothered like, the funny thing is, like, after that challenge, me, Lou, and Paul were working all day together. So, like, a few people have said to me, like, oh, you three hated each other. I was like, we literally finished that and then walked into our room and had lunch and we didn't even give it no, a second it. thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? At no point did we think, oh, that's that's going to go down in Taskmaster folklore now. Yeah, yeah. We just thought we'd done a task badly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, it's a de- it's a de- it's honour to be. So what I've not been on many shows that I watch myself. If you know what I mean, Mm-mm, sure. Alex and Greg are so lovely, and like like I said, it is. And I'm not just saying this, but it is genuinely as fun to be on it as it is to watch it, which is an incredible testament to that show really yeah well I think even though you're most competitive on that show you're still not as competitive as Ed Gamble comes across so it's all good that's the mo- I think that's probably the most tweeted thing I, thing I get when I was on Twitter was basically like me Ed Gamble and like Rod Gilbert and James Acaster should have like an angry person <laughs> ta- taskmaster right, special yeah. It would be intolerable. <laughs> yeah, like, unwatchable. Just us screaming. Right, yeah, we better come to your fifth and your final game then. So, yeah, tell us about this one, a game from earlier this year. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it will make the list in years to come. But obviously, I'm still I'm 50 hours in and still not completed it. And I'm very much a, I'm very much a main mission, ignore side quests, unless you need to level up for certain bosses. Uh, it's Hogwarts Legacy.
Uh, it's in no way uh, endorsement of careful uh, the Harry Potter novels in any way whatsoever. I just love, I just love the game, and I think it is the most. It might be a coincidence that I've just got a new monitor, but it is the most beautiful game I've ever played. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, and even in the opening scene when you're on the train and you come in and you see Hogwarts emerge from the mist and all that, I was like, <laughs> dead excited. The control, have you played it? I haven't actually, no. The controls are slightly annoying when you're in the, like running around the house. It's got that sort of, do you remember Bully? I do, yeah, yeah. Rockstar game. Where you used to be like, back, like running through walls, um, doors was annoying. She'd always catch the yeah, edge yeah, of the yeah. wall and stuff. It's got that sort of vibe about it. But other than that, like, honestly, flawless, man. Like, it's absolutely flawless. It's got that witcher element where you've got to go and, like, brew the right potions to get the right thing and all that, which I found annoying. But on this, I don't. The gameplay really reminds me of, do you remember all the Lord of the Rings games? Like, the Two Towers yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that. It's got that. It's the, I would. It's the same sort of game engine as that, which I love. <clears throat> Storylines a bit, a bit convoluted, but really engaging characters are really again fun engaging and there's enough like harry potter folklore in it that you're like oh that's a bit of fun do you know what I mean like one of the headmasters a weasley you're like, oh yeah i know ron like do you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah just look but it looks incredible and it's like the size of the world and stuff is amazing so yeah, yeah. and the, the i think the game mechanics and the look of it saves the sort of storyline and the characters basically it's like uh, basically the opposite of last of us but last of us has not got bad gameplay so it doesn't really work the analogy so i'll, I'll stop talking right and yeah, let's go through your console then so we've got uh the last of us remastered fifa 17 very particularly 17 a way out uh the white door and hogwarts legacy there we go uh, though, just very quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. i've just realized that this is a sort of like i'm on my own with this console yeah. I've, I've, I can't play a way out. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to give you some. It, well, we'll get that Ethernet going through your uh, through your wall. Yeah. Or I've got I've got a sort of AI machine to play oh, along with. I'm sure you can have a friend. It doesn't have to be a machine. <laughs> I'd love to play a game with my friend Luke. Actually. All right. We'll we'll bundle in Luke with every copy of your console. We um we need Thank a you. we need a name for your console to market to the world. Um, Ian, have you got any thoughts of what we might call it on the spot? Um, do you know what? We'll call it Final Fantasy VII, and that way I've acknowledged that that game exists <laughs> yeah. as well. Because it was one of the ones that just missed the list. People might be upset that the game's not on there, but never mind. Maybe there's a... Ch yeah, imagine buying the console Final Fantasy VII and you have to play a way out. <laughs> You'd be absolutely devastated. Um, oh, great. Ian, thanks so much for your time on this. I've got just one last question before I let you go. I don't know, I wrote this at the weekend. I hope it's not an annoying question. You've got uh, you've got a young, a young daughter. What advice might you give to her in a, if in a few years she said that she wanted to appear on a reality TV show? Would you be like, definitely don't do that? Or What a, what a great question question is it though i don't know <laughs> well i think it, it was a difficult one in it because reality well reality tv is such a wide ranging thing now because like i watch something like that beckham documentaries like mm, right beautiful right as in i don't mean like <laughs> oh he's so what a man i mean more like the way he cheated on his wife but they all stayed together i just mean like it can be so many different facets i guess my advice to my daughter for not reality tv but for anything is do, do what do what makes you happy mm -hmm. that's that would be it and always to and be but tell your dad everything be truthful <laughs> well maybe don't no don't be do what makes you happy and be truthful yeah, that's good advice 
to me. To you. But maybe primarily. you'll be doing the voiceover, so you'll she won't need to be true truthful. <laughs> My daughter is by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if I was doing it for that long. Oh my god. That'd be the year I c- that would be that would be the year to quit. Not not for other reason like you've been doing it long enough now. Oh, thank you so much for your time on this and I really, really hope that the tour goes gangbusters next year. I'm sure it will. So yeah. Cheers Simon, I really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Oh, thank you so much to my guest, Ian Sterling. What a lot of fun that was. Oh my gosh, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. Um, Ian, as we discussed at the beginning of that conversation, is heading out on tour in the spring of 2024. So just a few, a couple of months after this episode will come out. That tour starts on the 20th of March, 2024. So you've got plenty of time to pick up some tickets. It kicks off in Northampton at Royal and Durngate Theatre. And then he's heading to Sheffield, Lincoln, Crewe, Birmingham, Belfast and Dublin. And it goes right through into April. He's going all around the country from Glasgow to Southend, Canterbury to Norwich, Cheltenham to Hull, uh, Leeds, Newcastle, York, Anyway, if you're listening to this in the UK, and probably about a third of listeners to my favourite console from the UK, maybe slightly more than that, then uh, you've got a chance to go see Ian. If that's not you and you're listening in another country and you're not able to get over here to listen to the iconic voice of ITV's Love Island, uh, then you can uh, catch lots of Ian Sterling content online. Head to his website, iandoesjokes.com. That's Ian with two I's, I-A-I-N, Sterling. Uh, so iandoesjokes.com uh, you can find out what Ian is up to he's got tons of stuff on YouTube, you can hop on um, to watch Taskmaster what's that on these days uh, I think it's on Netflix, certainly on uh, Channel 4's app uh, if you're in the UK, lots of ways to watch Taskmaster, anyway the, uh, Ian's in the 8th series of that a really really good series so you should watch that and uh, and watch his transformation from a hyper-competitive uh, online gamer boy through to the slightly more relaxed uh, Ian Sterling that we see in the second half of that uh, of that show. It's all really, really good fun. And yeah, as I also mentioned in that, Ian is on Twitch. He regularly um, streams himself playing uh, the game formerly known as FIFA. Um, so yeah, you can... I'm just rapidly trying to... <laughs> type this uh, into google as i'm speaking but yeah he's on ian sterling here it is uh, he's just ian sterling that's easy isn't it so twitch.tv and you can watch him on ian sterling you can catch previous um sessions he's done i mean if you, you're gonna have to be into football if you want to watch that but uh, that seems to be the only thing that he's that he streams uh, but yeah if you're if you're into football you've, uh, ea sports fc 24 it is isn't it what a mouthful anyway you can watch ian playing that on twitch anytime you like Right, uh, we have now entered the, the, if you're listening to this the week it's come out, then we are in round three of the My Perfect Console of the Year knockout competition. It's all hotting up. Uh, round three, there are just now eight face-offs. Um, so uh, yeah, so the 16 consoles. This is the, all of the, all of the previous 
guests on my perfect console from 2023 there's been sort of over the past previous few weeks there's been a few round uh, face-offs that you've you the public have been able to vote on for your favorite uh, consoles it's been whittling down and whittling down we're now down to the top 16 uh, so yeah as i said eight uh, face-offs you are able to vote in that everyone is able to uh, whether you are a supporter on patreon or just a member of the public uh, well, very welcome to have you either way. Uh, but yeah, you if you head to patreon.com forward slash my perfect console, there'll be a pinned post at the top there with a link and you can go and you can vote for uh, your eight favourites out of the 16 options. Um, and then, yeah, next week we'll be down to, what is it, the semi-finals, right? No, quarter-finals, then the semi-finals and then the final face-off. Um, so yeah, round three is the last one that the public is going to be able to vote in. Thereafter, it will just be for Patreon supporters. Uh, so if you'd like to become a supporter, now's a really good time. Uh, it's just £4.50 a month or like $5 a month, something like that. The cost of a magazine and for that you're getting, a, you know, four, five hours of lovely audio plus some bonus content. You get to be part of the Patreon community and... Yeah, lots of nice little bonuses like that. So yeah, please consider doing that. It's a great way to support the podcast. Yeah, we're now r- right coming up to the end of the year. We've got just two more guests, I think. Then we're going to do some best of best of clip shows. Maybe one, maybe two. Not quite sure. I mean, there's lots to pick between, so maybe we'll get two out of it. Uh, so that will be just uh, some some clips from uh, from previous guests in the year and then we'll be heading into year two of my perfect console i'll let you know all the details for that a little bit nearer the time but yeah it's going to be a good time if you'd like to write to me suggesting some guests for next year please do so it's my perfect console at gmail.com can't promise we'll get everyone but uh yeah got a pretty good hit rate uh lots of people want to come on the show now which is lovely um, and so yeah uh, if you've got some people that you'd like to hear from that you think would be well suited to the format then please do let me know um, right so next week next week's guest is Josh Sher. he is one of the writers on uh, on The Last of Us and The Uncharted so these are the video games he was uh, he worked at Naughty Dog for many many years started there I think on Jack and Daxter uh, and then worked on Uncharted and then on The Last of Us and has more recently left and moved on to a, a new startup studio where he's working on a new IP there. Uh, Josh is a really fantastic guy, um, really open, thoughtful person on video games and gives us loads of lovely details on the process of writing, coming up with characters like Nathan Drake and Joel and Ellie um, and uh, and what it was like as well to release a major blockbuster video game, The Last of Us Part 2, during the pandemic lockdowns. So yeah, lots to look forward to there if you're a fan of those games, and even if you're not, and just interested uh, to hear some of the creative process that goes into them. All right, I'll be back again then next week with Josh uh, and his five games and one more perfect console.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.